This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Your Federal Life, a weekly roundup of news about federal pay and benefits, employment policy, and investing and retirement planning. Brought to you by WEPA. Here's your host, Tom Temin. Hello and welcome to the show. People entering the workforce, say joining the government at a young age, hear this advice. Start saving now for retirement. Make sure you max out your thrift savings plan contributions and get the full government match. It's sound advice as far as it goes. But my next guest cautions, don't plow every possible dollar into the TSP to the neglect of other important financial obligations. Certified financial planner Art Stein of Arthur Stein Financial joins me now. So, Art, you're saying then that it's possible to be too cautious and save too much early in your career, especially diverting too much to the TSP to the exclusion of other possible life risks. Tell us more. Okay. So... You know, I, I speak to people, especially younger people, who are putting as much money as they possibly can into the TSP, which is great. But in some cases, they're ignoring and not funding their other risks. And their other risks include, you know, premature death, uh, having a catastrophic illness or injury, and, of course, legal liability, you know, being in an auto accident, being sued, maybe your your child has a friend over and the, ch- the friend falls down the stairs, things like that. And we just two kind of extreme examples, consider someone who's single, no kids, nobody's dependent upon them, compared to someone who's married and their spouse doesn't work and they have three kids and they have, you know, uh, just their only life insurance is whatever their salary is, which would cover one year. And clearly if they died, it would be a disaster for their family. So we need to look at these other risks. And unfortunately, most of them are taken care of by insurance. And I realize that people hate insurance. They hate paying for it, but we have to talk about it. It's a necessity in our lives. And, um, so in terms of dying too soon, it's life insurance. And, you know, the uh, FEGLI, the federal government life insurance, uh, can be a good deal for people who cannot otherwise qualify for uh, life insurance because they have health conditions. But for healthier people, they should look outside the TSP for uh, life insurance and compare them to FEGLI, to the cost of FEGLI and see what is the best deal. And really, when I've done this comparison for clients, what we found is the outside insurance companies are frequently more cost-effective than Fegley because Fegley has to take everybody during an open season, and the other insurance companies are not. And people don't realize how much life insurance they really need to cover the risk to their family. I mean, if, if you have kids and a non-working spouse, you're looking at 10 times your salary, maybe more. Or if you uh, have a spouse that is working, which is more the common case nowadays. And that reduces your risk, but it does not eliminate it. Well, you no, know, not if you were both, depending on both incomes, then and one yeah, goes away. But at least that spouse has some, you know, income that they can count on. And, you know, many people think, 
in terms of life insurance, well, gee, if my spouse dies, I'll go back to work. And that may be true, but then you're talking about a spouse who, one, is dealing with the catastrophe and the kids and the broken hearts. And it could be a year before they're able to recover enough to look for work, and then they've been out of the workforce. They're not going to make that much money. It's just a lot of issues there. Right. So what is a good rule of thumb in terms of specifically how much you need, like 10 times your salary, four times your salary, or, and I guess that depends on your family situation. Yeah, it depends on your family situation, but 10 times salary is not uh, usually, uh, you know, if you have a non-working spouse and kids, I would say 10 times salary is a good starting point. If your spouse works, you know, then you're looking at, well, the spouse make more or less than me, all kinds of issues. In terms of disability, of course, the federal government has a group disability program. And for someone who is disabled and and not able to work as a result, it would pay 60% of their high three for 12 months and then 40% of high three. It's a free program, so that's a good deal. But, you know, are you going to be able to live on 40% of your salary? People need to think about that. And if they're concerned about that, then again, they can look to insurance companies who have policies that are designed to supplement the federal group disability policy. And that can make sense. What if you are, by the way, if you are single, no dependents, no spouse, should you still have life insurance? I mean, clearly you would want disability insurance if you live through something catastrophic. But if you die, do you need life insurance? Uh, probably not. You know, there might be circumstances where you still would want to get life insurance, but it doesn't sound like, you know, a necessity in that situation because you have no dependents. You know, some people want a small amount of life insurance to make sure they have a nice burial, but um, it's really life insurance is a risk of dying too soon. And that's not a financial risk to the person that dies. It's a financial risk to their heirs. Disability is a financial risk to the the person. And it's not just disability, long-term care insurance is also important to look at. That's an extremely complicated topic that's changed tremendously over the years, but it's worth looking at. And then um, you have legal liability, and this is where I see an enormous number of people who do not have sufficient liability insurance, you know, because they all they have is their homeowners and auto insurance. And because a lot of people buy on price, they end up with maybe a hundred thousand in liability coverage or two hundred and fifty. And suppose that, you know, you're driving down the road, you're paying attention, the windows open though, and a bee flies in, you get flustered, you hit somebody. Uh, turns out that she's a plastic surgeon making a half million dollars a year. She's going to sue if she can't work anymore, and she could easily win millions. And your insurance company is going to say, "Well, here's a hundred thousand or two hundred and fifty thousand. You pay the rest." So to take care of this, you would get umbrella liability insurance, which is sold in millions of dollars of coverage. And one of the, so if you had that, your policy, existing home and auto insurance would pay out 
and this umbrella policy would then pay on top up to whatever you purchased. The great thing about umbrella, it is dirt cheap. I mean, you can get in many cases, two or $3 million in coverage for six or seven or $800 a year. You know, I have 5 million just because it's so cheap. Why not have it? Now your chances of needing that they're extremely small. That's why it's cheap. Not many people have that situation. But if you're in that situation, then it would be a godsend. And for people who have kids, you know, think about all their friends running around their house, all the things that can go wrong. That umbrella covers, you know, auto accidents and accidents in the home. And speaking of kids, if you have them, eventually you might want to put them through college, although that's getting to be increasingly a sketchy proposition, the yeah, value right. of it. But let's say, you know, you're going to do that. Then I guess at the point of their delivery, would you say that's when you would start to think about college financing? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you have kids, you've got to think about college funding and putting that money away. And it, as you know, Tom, it's enormously expensive and um, being able to save, you know, for 18 or 19 years, of course, is an advantage. There are lots of ways to do that. But clearly, you want to be able to help your children through college. I mean, it would be wonderful if they graduate with no college debt. But even if you could just reduce the college debt, that would be great. So how do you calculate all this? Is there some spreadsheet you can throw your conditions in, it'll say this is the ratios for insurance spending, for umbrella liability spending, for college savings spending, and what your TSP should should have in it. Yeah. So one, it's very age related. I mean, I would say umbrella at any age is important. Umbrella liability insurance. I don't care how young or old you are. Um, in terms of life insurance, you know, it's frequently more important for younger people who are starting out uh, more likely to have kids and um, you know they need that for things like you know when you're retired um, life insurance may be completely unimportant uh, and you know no longer a necessity for things like disability of course that's especially important for younger people Long-term care insurance starts to become more important when people hit their 50s and 60s, uh, although certainly younger people sometimes need lots of long-term care. And then you have this other risk, which is you're retired and you live a long time, and you know if you ran out of investments, it would be a problem. Right, then you become a ward of the state at some point, which is nobody yes. wants to do. And, so, and you don't want to be a ward of the state. So you're main thesis then is you need to continuously look at your plan and what you're spending on, what the benefits are that you're buying. And I would say, what, every five years, you know, do a thorough review and, and housekeeping on- That would be good. Absolutely. But it is, you know, financial planning issue. And you might want to then meet with a financial planner to help you sort out how much you're putting away and how much you need to spend on these other things. And one good thing I would say, Tom, is that if someone's putting 5% in the TSP and getting a 5% match, and they start doing that at a young age and continue it, and they are invested appropriately, which is a big if, 
that's a great start to their future and their retirement planning. 10% of salary, which is, you know, 5% you put in, 5% the government puts in. That's a good number. You'd like it to be higher, but that's a good number. And remember, G fund stands for G. That's all I've got at yeah. the end of the day. <laughs> and really, this is true. That's why I say invest it appropriately. If you're just sticking it all in the G fund, you could be maxing out your contributions when you retire. It's just not going to be adequate. Certified financial planner Art Stein of Arthur Stein Financial. We'll take a short break, and when we return, a new life insurance instrument for military veterans. You're listening to Your Federal Life here on Federal News Network. I'm Tom Temin. Welcome back to Your Federal Life here on Federal News Network. I'm Tom Temin. It's not every day the Veterans Affairs Department comes up with a new insurance program. In fact, last year was the first time in 50 years. For a progress report and what it took to launch, I spoke with the Executive Director of the Insurance Service at the Veterans Benefits Administration, Dan Keenahan. So the VA, or the Veterans Affairs, has launched Veterans Affairs Life Insurance, or as we like to call it, VA Life. And it's open to all service-connected veterans aged 80 and under with any level of service-connected disability, 0% to 100%. And for veterans who are age 81 and older, they need to apply for a service-connected rating before they turn age 81. And then they have a two-year timeline to request enrollment. So basically anybody under 80 can have this life insurance. Correct. Anyone with a service-connected rating. We launched this program in response to a call from veterans and veteran service organizations who were looking for a life insurance program that didn't have time limits uh, to sign up and had higher levels of life insurance coverage available than what we had currently offered. This one is a whole life insurance program that goes up to $40,000 in increments of $10,000. Got it. And when you say they have to have a veteran's rating, what does that mean exactly? So when uniformed service members separate from their uniformed service, they have an opportunity to apply to the Department of Veterans Affairs Veterans Benefit Administration for a service-connected rating on a disability that may have been incurred during their service. And we provide the life insurance that supports veterans who have these service-connected ratings. We also provide life insurance for those who currently serve. And we have 11 different programs that provide life insurance, including service members group life insurance and veterans group life insurance, which total about $1.5 trillion of coverage across 5.6 million lives. This new program, though, is only for those with some degree of rating. Correct. Because everybody is insured at some point in their military career. I remember, you know, when my father passed away at 92, long after serving in World War II, just a few years ago, we got a check from Veterans Affairs for $5,000. Everybody's got that. Yes. It's tremendous because our insurance service has existed for over 100 years and dates back to World War I. And at each era, World War I, World War II, Korea, 
Vietnam, and now today, we have introduced different life insurance programs in order to meet the needs or the changing needs of our veterans and their survivors. And it's unique because service-connected veterans aren't always eligible for commercial life insurance. And VA provides this as a means of protection to provide insurance at a rate that is commensurable with what you can find in the private sector without any additional cost due to the service-connected nature of their disability rating. Right. That was my question. This is something that is hard to obtain for those with a rating commercially because commercial don't want to insure people that they might have to pay out for. In general, we find that our actuaries look at what's available in the private sector and then how can we provide something that you know meets or is better than the value that's provided to honor not only the service of the service member, but to be able to help them you know, see it as a benefit that they've earned through their service. We're speaking with Dan Keenahan. He's the director of the insurance service at the Veterans Benefits Administration. And this was in reaction to a congressional statute, a law passed to create this program a couple of years ago. Yes, the law was enacted in 2022, and we worked with the Congress in order to implement it in a way that provides a superior customer experience. We've seen automation of the application process at levels that are higher than 93% this calendar year alone, and we've integrated it with VA Profile in order to ensure that veterans don't have to put in unnecessary information, and veterans are known customers and we can be able to meet their needs. We've had some veterans who sign up saying this is the easiest benefit they've ever applied for with the VA. And we found that veterans are very responsive to the online tool, especially when it comes to updating their beneficiaries for life-changing events. And we appreciate the support of the Congress as this was, as you mentioned, uh, part of the Johnny Isaacson and David Rowe Veterans Health Care and Benefits Improvement Act of 2020. And how many people have signed up so far? We've had over 34,000 veterans sign up for this. And it's really exciting because just after one year of the program being available, we've achieved over $1 billion of coverage. Okay. And you called it whole life. And that's an instrument that you don't find that much anymore commercially almost like a savings that has value at the end and it accrues, I guess you'd call it equity over time. Those are not very common anymore in the commercial market. We offer both term life and whole life, and we work with veteran service organizations and veterans in order to provide education as to how insurance can complement their overall financial planning. Whole life is a way for veterans to be able to invest in their future because VA life builds cash value after the first two years. It also, unlike term life insurance, has fixed premiums, which means the younger you are when you sign up, that is the premium that you will pay for the rest of your life. Unlike term life insurance, when costs often increase in five-year increments. And then finally, the real value is that there is a cash component to this. And so veterans like to know, you know, that there might be some longer term value. There is an interest earned against that cash value. And then not yet for VA life, but for our existing programs, veterans are able to take loans against that cash value. Or when the policy matures, they actually get that cash value returned to them as a matured endowment. 
And so it's part of an overall financial planning picture for veterans that is an alternative to term life. And how does it work for Veterans Benefits Administration? That is to say, do you simply offer this, but there's a commercial outfit that's actually operating it in the background, or is VBA its own insurance company? And if so, how come you don't have a 100-story skyscraper somewhere? I'm really pleased to say we have a few more than 300 VBA employees who work primarily out of Philadelphia who service all these policies. We have our actuaries, our financial team, we have our policy holder services, we have our own phone center, and we run it efficiently enough that we're able to provide it at a value that meets or exceeds what's available in the private sector. Unlike the private sector, we don't need a 100-story skyscraper in order to let people know we're here, but we find veterans and survivors really appreciate the customer experience that we give them And we're really seeing positive returns through trust scores, through what we call V-signals, which is our customer experience data. And veterans are really trusting VA to provide high-quality life insurance, just like when they were in uniform. We previously provided their life insurance coverage. And within VBA, then, is there a fund of dollars somewhere so that when you do have to pay out a benefit, a death benefit, that it's there? So based on our actuarial determinations, we build up a cash reserve. And so this program was designed in order to be fully self-supporting. And so that means the more veterans that sign up, uh, the better it is going to support other veterans over time. And we're very efficient and effective in being able to deliver benefits that the veterans are able to count on and, and, and trust the VA to have that, that value there. Dan Keenahan, Executive Director of the Insurance Service at the Veterans Benefits Administration. And that's it for this week's Your Federal Life. We'll return next week with more about your financial and professional affairs. Until then, I'm Tom Temin. Thanks for listening to Your Federal Life here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search Your Federal Life.